Well, thank you so much, Church and Calvin. Let me flesh out a little bit of that story that he was saying, how everyone likes my wife. So we were actually on a uh, Zoom call with uh, Bino and Eileen, and Calvin was telling me, he goes, oh, uh, people are looking, are really looking forward to seeing you, but they're really looking forward to seeing Teresa. <laughs> I said, well, I understand that. I think I'd rather uh, see Teresa than see myself, too, so that's completely understandable. Um, but I, I want to thank you for inviting us, my wife and, and me, to come and be here. As uh, Calvin was, was saying, that we have a long history, and you guys are very, very dear people to us. And Teresa and I talk about this, that even though we weren't here for a super long time, that the relationships that we made and the impact that you made on us um, is totally disproportionate to uh, other years in our lives. So, so thank you for all of that. Um, I have a picture here I want to show. And this is a picture. And this, this offers a couple things of proof. The first one is that I actually was on staff here, and you might recognize a few faces up there. I think this has got to be about 95 or so. And the, the other piece of proof, as Calvin was talking about last night, is that Calvin and I once did have black hair, and that was a long time ago. Um, and coming back and reconnecting with a lot of people, one of the things that just strikes me is, is just the, the, the passage of time. And that even though it seems like such a long time ago, in some ways, other ways, in other ways, it just seems like the a blink of an eye. And uh, probably many of you can relate to this. Is I mean, I don't feel like I'm 30 years older or anything like that. And yet, when I see pictures like this or or see like the little kids growing up, then I, I really I really feel it. Just one more story about that 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 brought this that illustrated to me. So sometimes I help out with some campus ministries, and and our church is really close to uh, UC Irvine. So they'll ask me to come and speak. Um, like once a year, and the last time I was there, I spoke, and I was telling them that I was involved with AACF when I was a student at UCLA, and I told them that I had graduated in uh, 1987, and when I said that year, there was this audible gasp, it's like, <gasps> and then I thought about it, I mean, first I was a little, I'm not offended or hurt or anything, but, but I, like, I wasn't prepared for that reaction that they looked at me in that way, and then I started thinking about it, I thought, well, if I was a freshman, and I'm remembering back to my college years, that if someone told me, and they came to speak at our campus fellowship, and they told me, you know, I graduated 15 years before you were even born, that would have been like when I went to UCLA and some, someone came as a speaker and said, I, you know, I graduated UCLA in 1949, and I probably would have thought, oh man, that person is like, you know, one foot in the grave or something. <laughs> but... Um, so it's it's funny how how time just passes so fast and uh, and yet God does not change and that's one of the things I'm reminded of when I come and see many of your faces and some new faces as well that some things change but the the, the Lord has not changed. Um, 
So I'm going to jump into my, my message. There are some notes, I believe, in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along, and there's some scripture passages in there. If you want, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Most of the scripture passages are in the bulletin, and I'll, I'll show them up on the, the screen as well. Now, um, I grew up going to camp to a bunch of different camps, and maybe some of you did as well. And there's something that people will talk, call like the, the mountaintop experience, that you go up to camp and you, it's beautiful and you feel like God is, is right there and your life has changed and nothing's going to be the same again. And um, very often you come back off the mountaintop and um, it's just like life as, as usual or things have not changed. And, you know, you can only go to the mountaintop for a little bit. You're at the retreat for a weekend or a little bit longer than that in a year. And then the rest of the time is just life as usual. And that's kind of the way that it is. And looking at our passage here, we're going to be looking at something that the prophet Isaiah speaks about. And he is in a, he's in a difficult time. And he has, he has a couple of experiences. He has a, like a really intimate experience with God, and he's got some tough things that he is going to hear as well. And maybe you can relate to that. Um, maybe coming up to the retreat that your spiritual life is a little dry, or you're looking at your circumstances and they're not all that positive, or just over the last couple of years have been very difficult for pretty much everyone. And as a, as a pastor and talking with other pastors, um, most of them have told me that as pastors, as well as for the, the congreg- their congregations, that people have had about as difficult time as they have ever had over these last couple of years. So maybe, maybe you can relate to that. Um, some of the lessons in, that I'll be sharing came from something I heard from a guy named Pete Scazzaro who was talking about this passage, and they really uh, ministered and blessed, blessed me. Now, the author of this passage is uh, the prophet Isaiah, and he responded to God's invitation to be, a, to be faithful, to do God's bidding, and that's what he did. Um, he had a mission and a ministry of about um, 30 to 40 years, and there were a few highs, but there were quite a few lows. And this is about where we're Picking up is about 740 BC, and there was a king named King Uzziah who had a uh, more than 50 year reign as king of the southern kingdom of Israel. Um, he was very beloved, and for most of his reign, uh, Uzziah was one of the best kings that um, Israel had had. The, the country was prosperous, things were going well, economic boom times. In Second Chronicles, it says that his, his fame spread far and wide, and that's where we're going to pick up over here. And it says that in the year that Uzziah had died, so suddenly the king dies, Uzziah dies, and at that time the economy collapses. So it's not a good year. It's like that when he dies, all, all the, the hopes and the dreams of the nation kind of are connected to him, so for the country the same thing happens as well. 
and the countries neighboring them are battling them, and there's, there's warfare, there's famine, and people in the, in the country are, are fearing for their lives. If, if perhaps you could imagine if you were in Ukraine right now and things look bleak and there didn't seem like that much hope, I mean, that, that would be how um, Israel would feel at that, at that time. And maybe one side, side lesson is that um, all nations and superpowers um, go through difficult times, and none of them last forever, uh, not even, even our country. There's no guarantee that things will be prosperous here forever, and it's only the kingdom of God that will last forever. So in some ways, where Isaiah is is, is similar to what many people are feeling right now. And you know, things seem to get, be getting a little bit better, but it's going to be a long, uh, a long haul here, and there's going to be some challenges probably in the church and in the country as well. So if you are going through a difficult time, if you've lost your job, if someone that you know who's been sick, if your kids are, are struggling, that you may be in a similar situation here. So going on, it says, uh, In the, the year that he died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So the first part of this passage that many people are familiar with is that we see that God is present and seated on the throne. God is present and seated on the throne. This is part of the vision that Isaiah has. And if you can picture someone who is seated on the throne, that's, that is a picture of someone who is not anxious. He's, it, it doesn't say God is pacing around in the throne room, not knowing what's going to happen, but he is like a non-anxious presence because he is in control. No matter what, no matter how the circumstances look, God, it's not surprising to God, and he is seated on that throne. This is the God who is in control of all of human history. I know we are tempted at times to think, you know, where's God? Is, is God really in control? But this same... Oh, thank you. Thanks, Mino. That would not be good. <laughs> uh, is God is God still in control? But God is seated on His throne, and He is in control of human history. And we see here that above Him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty." The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple filled with smoke. And as the um, as they are repeating "Holy, holy, holy" three times, I mean that is the most uh, like putting the exclamation point as much as you can, saying something three times. And they're saying that you cannot imagine God being any more holy than he is. He is completely holy. Everything is filled with his glory, that this God has, he has a grip on all of human history. Um, Once again, God is not anxious. He's not pacing around. um, And we look around this world, and we 
sometimes it seems like God is not on the throne. There, there's war, there's famine, people get sick, there's COVID, there's inflation, there's racial tension. There's many things that could tempt us to, to wonder, is God on the throne? But we need to get that straight, that God is holy. God is in control. God is on the throne. And he's so big that there are things that happen that we just, I mean, in our finite human understanding, we, we can never grasp it. We would like to, but God is God, and we are not. So there will be a limit on our understanding of the circumstances of life. Um, what Isaiah is also sharing here is that there is no place. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There is no place that you can go that is apart from his glory. It might not seem like it. You might not you know, tangibly sense it at some time or the other. But there's no place that you can go that is apart from God's glory, that God has met people and revealed his glory in different ways, that there's a transfiguration um, with Jesus. Moses met God in a burning bush. Uh, John had a revelation when he was a prisoner on an island and, and shared that in the book of Revelation, that God is in your workplace. He's up here. He's back when you go down. He's in the middle of any pandemic. He's in the middle. He is there in your, your brokenness and your pain as well. There's no place that you can go apart from God's glory. And Isaiah responds to this. When he sees God's glory, his response is, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he, um, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So as he is encountering God, that he, his response is to realize his own brokenness and his own sin, and his response is to say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do whatever you ask of me. That is, that is the response of someone who really understands reality, understands the, the holiness and the goodness of God, but also understands their own brokenness and their sin. And that, that is how Isaiah is responding. So the first part of the message, talking about God's glory, probably many people are familiar, and you've heard the, the hymn that comes from this passage as well. And I think the second part is um, the part that is a little bit new, or maybe we haven't looked at as much, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a harder word. So this is after Isaiah responds, and God's going to say back to him, he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So here's Isaiah, just... (laughs) He, he is surrendering to God and says, God, I'm going to do whatever you say. And God responds, and he's saying, I'm going to give you this calling, but it's going to be really hard. You are going to go and preach. You're going to be faithful, but people's, people aren't going to respond. Um, I mean, that's not, 
you know, if I, if I said, Lord, I want to be a pastor, and then you know, everyone's going to be sleeping in the pews for 50 years, I mean, that's totally not what I want to hear. I want to hear, uh, you know, I'm sitting on the, the throne, and people are going to respond, and there's going to be all these results, but that is not what happens to Isaiah. And one of the lessons we learn here is that God gives him a difficult calling. You may receive a difficult calling from God, maybe not what you want. You want the fruit and the results like we all do. But that's not what happens for Isaiah. And I believe that it happens for many people and probably for everyone at some season or the other. You are in a difficult calling from God. For Isaiah, it's like you will get access to kings and they're just going to ignore you. You are going to preach to the people and they're not going to listen. It's a, it says here that by the nature of, of what you're doing that their hearts are going to become calloused. And it just doesn't seem right, but yet this is what God has uh, called Isaiah to do. Interestingly, the passage I just read, if you read through the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus uses that same passage. You'll see that Paul uses the same passage, and it's almost as if it's like a constant in time that, that the word of God will be preached, and some people, for whatever reason, their hearts are going to be hard. And it might not because you're not doing a good job or whatever, but perhaps that is part of the calling that God has called you to. And then Isaiah responds to this, and he says, Then I said, For how long, Lord? I mean, which is a pretty normal question that you would ask. It's going to be hard, but for how long? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid to waste. He's saying, you're going to keep on doing this, and it's, it's not going to be like it's looking like it's getting better, right? It's just going to keep on getting worse and worse and worse. It says all the way until like a tenth remains in the land. Um, so imagine being Isaiah, or imagine being someone in Israel at that time, and looking at it from the worldly perspective. You're looking there, and things keep on getting worse and worse and worse, and I think you would say, What's going on? I mean, God cannot be on the throne if this is happening because we're doing what he wants. We're, we're being faithful, and yet things keep on getting worse. I mean, are we doing it wrong? Are we in sin? Whatever. For whatever reason. I mean, we could be in sin, but um, what, what we see here is that this is part of God's sovereign plan. This is just part of what happens, and God is still in control, and this, this was just such a, a difficult calling. I mean, I know if I was Isaiah, I, I would hate this, and yet I believe that in different seasons of your life, I mean, you might be able to relate to this, and in fact, I would, I, I'm guessing that probably more people can relate to this part of it than God being seated on his throne, um, if you're, you know, to break down your life in, in percentages. Like, so many times it just seems like... Um, you don't know what is going on, and you're trying to figure things out. But this is the calling that Isaiah got. And here's the other part, to balance off the, the throne. So we see God, he's present on the throne, and the chapter doesn't end here. It says, but as the, the terebinth, which is type, another type of tree, and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be in the stump in the land. The holy seed will be in the stump in the land. So we saw God seated on the throne in his glory, and here we see God present in the stump. 
in the stump. Now think about a stump, cut down trees, stump. I mean, a stump seems to represent the opposite of life. A, a, a stump represents like, like broken dreams and broken promises and hopes that have not flourished like you would imagine, like you wanted, that you've dreamed, that you've probably prayed for. And it says, there, so there are stumps. There are stumps, and yet God is still present in that stump. God is present in the stump. You know, we, we're, we don't want stumps. We want big trees. We're, we're in Redwood Christian Park, and you look at um, these trees, and they're very majestic, they're, they're huge, and we, we, you know, we name Christian parks Redwood Christian Park. You don't name them Stump Christian Park, right? I mean, Stump is just like, I don't want to go to Stump Park. I mean, I want to go, go to Redwood Park. I want to live amongst the Redwoods. And yet, what we see in the Stump is that God is still present in the Stump. I mean, Stumps, if you were going <laughs> to... Tell people about their life and faith. I mean, telling them that there's going to be a lot of stumps in their life is not a great selling point. And yet, this is what it is. This is what it is. It's saying that God is present even in the most unlikely places. Even in the place from the outside, it looks like he's not there, that God is present. In fact, if you were to continue on reading through Isaiah in chapter 11, you'll see that it says that the Messiah will come from the stump of Jesse, saying that the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ, is going to come from the most unlikely place. From a worldly perspective, it would seem like, oh, you know, nothing's going to come from the stump, but we see the, the Messiah himself will come from the stump. This, if you really take a look at Scripture, you'll see this stump idea, this, this hiddenness of God, this unseen working is really a, a, a major, major theme that when um, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he doesn't say it's like all these thrones, and he doesn't say it's like a whole bunch of red, redwoods, but he says it's like a little mustard seed, like the smallest of seeds that you, you, cannot, you cannot see. And yet it grows to be huge, and, and that there's, there's all this fruit that will come from the, the mustard seed. But when you look at the mustard seed, you, you don't see anything. And yet that is what the kingdom of God is like. Think about the life of Jesus, perfect example of it. He comes and he's born in, in a poor place, totally unknown. Uh, you, God could have had Jesus born in the palace in Rome, and he would have had a lot of, uh, a lot of, press time, and people would have paid a lot of attention to him, but he didn't do that. He was born to some poor teenagers in an out-of-the-way place, um, with probably with animals or in a cave. I mean, just, just very, not redwoody, but much more stumpy. And he goes and he ministers, and, or he grows kind of in, away from the limelight for like 30 years, and no one really knows who he is. So, if you were watching from the outside, you'd say, what, what is God doing? I mean, the, if I was trying to do this plan of, of getting the message to the world, I mean, I would, I would proclaim it from the mountaintops. I mean, maybe I would have come in the 21st century and I'd be able to put it on social media and everyone would find out in, in a moment. And yet that is not what he chose to do. And we see that God is present in the stump. So he's present in the throne 
and he is present in the stump as well. And here's just a picture. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of stumps, but you know, it's just, it's not that attractive. It's just a, a stump that is there. And the, the tension that we have when we're talking about the throne and the stump is like, I don't want stumps. I mean, I want, I want thrones in my life. I want fruit. I want people to, to acknowledge me. And I don't, I don't want stumps. I don't want, I don't want my church to be a stump. I don't want my life to be a stump. I don't want to people to look outside and feel pity or feel sorry for me. And yet, God is present in all those circumstances. So, a couple questions is, I mean, where is, are, where is it hard for you to believe that God is still on the throne in, in your life? Where is it hard for you to believe that God is on the throne in your life? Or, and another question is, are there some stumps in, in your life right now, maybe it's your health or your, your marriage or your job, and you're looking and you'd say, I'd do anything to change this. Well, just be, um, be reassured that God is present even there, and it's very possible that he wants that situation in your life, and he's going to do something wonderful out of that. Um, in Israel's case, they were in this situation because of, of rebellion and sin. And it's possible that some of the situations that we find ourselves in are, be, are because of our sin. If you are willfully going your own way and you're not surrendering to the Lord, then you could face some difficulties. But it's also possible that that's just not the case at all, that in God's sovereign plan that he's allowed these stumps um, in your lives. And if you think about it, isn't... It, I think the way we grow most of the time is more stump-like than redwood-like, that there are so many unseen, hidden things that you are, you are building your life, and so much of it is, is done behind the scenes. It's not done in front of everyone, but you are faithfully praying. You're faithfully coming to church and serving or studying your Bible or whatever it is. And the, the, the effects of those are not seen immediately, right? I mean, those things happen because there are long stretches of obedience and faithfulness over a long period of time. And then, you know, God may choose to, to make things very visible at that time. But so much of it is just, just hidden mustard seed stump kind of stuff. Um, and one of the challenges in our Americanized, Christianized culture is that we're just looking for visible success all the time. That if we don't see the numbers, if we don't see the money, if we don't see the fruit immediately, that we feel like, well, I've got to do, I've got to do some quick fix, or maybe God isn't in it, and we're, we're tempted to compromise, we're tempted to, to uh, wander astray, um, and we feel like, well, you know, God can't be in this suffering or this failure. And yet, from our passage, we see that God is present in that stump. I mean, it is disorienting. It's difficult uh, because that's not what we want to see. Um, I mean, I would like to pave over all my stumps and not let people see them. And yet, oftentimes, that is what God uses. Um, Maybe a truth is that there is a throne in every stump, that God is present uh, in his glory in every stump there is. And when I think about the last few years that have been difficult for a lot of people, that God was present there as well. And I know many people that because of the difficulties, they, um, 
they turn to the Lord. They realize their own inadequacies and maybe the, the fragility of some of the things that they had been putting their, their hopes and dreams on, and that was helpful for, for them. I mean, not everyone responded in that way, but it was an opportunity for God. And maybe one of the questions that you can ask, I love this question whenever you're in a difficult time, is to ask this question is, what, what does this situation make possible? So it's easy to, to complain about it, but say if, if um, maybe if you, I don't know, broke your leg and you weren't able to get around and it's easy to complain and get fixated on that, but say, well, what might this make possible? Maybe I'm not able to do the things I used to, so maybe I have a chance to spend more time with some people, maybe pray more, study more, sit there, whatever it is. Or if you lose your job or things aren't going well in your ministry, rather than complaining about it all the time or walking away from the Lord, is to say, you know, what might this make possible? There's a quote I read from uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was, uh, I think he won the Nobel Peace Prize, and he was a, he was a Russian dissident, and they put him in the, the, the gulag for years and years and years, and it would be easy, I believe, to get bitter about that situation. Like, you know, why does God allow this to me? I didn't even do anything wrong, but this is what he wrote. He said, Bless you, prison. Bless you for being in my life. For there, lying upon the rotting prison straw, I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity, as we are made to believe, but the, mature, the maturity of the human soul. So because he was brought down to this low place that, it, it, that God revealed some truths to him, that some of the things that he might have hoped for the, the prosperity and money and finances or whatever it is, that he realized that is not the purpose of, of life, but it is, it is the growing of the human soul. It's growing in your relationship with God. But it took something very difficult for that to be revealed to him. And perhaps the same might happen for, for you as well. Perhaps it is an opportunity that God might be growing your soul. So if you want to grow, you've got to be prepared that you might have some stumps in your life. I mean, I could almost guarantee that that is going to happen. And perhaps it helps us too with compassion, that there are people that the world has rejected for many different reasons, and that they are, are, are people that God has a plan for. And that as we have gone through difficult times, perhaps that gives us uh, more empathy or sympathy or compassion for people going through those difficult times as well. Because even if these people look like stumps to you, that God is present there in every, um, every human soul. Um, I'll wrap up in just a moment here. But um, interestingly, about uh, Uzziah is that he didn't like the stumps in his life as, as well. And even though he had been a very righteous king, that kind of at the end of his life, he did take a big fall. As he saw that, that things were going uh, poorly in his country, that he wanted to take charge of things himself. So he was tired of waiting for God. He went into the temple. He said, I'm king. I'm going to run the temple. I'm he was going to function as a priest, which he wasn't supposed to because he was the, uh, the, the king. And all these priests tried to stop him. 
and and basically he was saying, God, I'm I'm going to take control of the situation. I'm going to manage you. Uh, I'm more God than you are. And he became uh, proud and stubborn. And then God struck him with leprosy. And that's, it was because of his pride. It was because of his lack of of surrender to God. And one other point here that I think is really important is that a stump actually can be a means of God's grace, that it can be a way that God is meeting you and ministering to you, that it's something that, that if it brings us humility and closer to God, then that's a good thing, regardless of how it may look on the outside. Another one of my favorite verses is from Second Corinthians, and if, if you're familiar with the context that, that Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh that he had. And we don't know exactly what that is, but it was something that he prayed. It was a hindrance. It was painful. It was something that probably wasn't attractive or that anyone would want, and he prayed for it, and that God chose not to, um, to remove it. And in the passage, he says, you know, he didn't remove it so that I wouldn't exalt myself, that I, I wouldn't think too much of myself. And he says that God spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I think that God allows these things to happen because they do humble us, that it could be something that God has has used to to give us the right perspective on life and what's important, that that stump may be a uh, a means of his grace. I mean, I've thought about this as well, is that, you know, I've wanted to succeed in whatever I did, like like everyone else. But I've wondered, what would it be like if you never had a failure? If your if your life or your ministry or everything was what just just went exactly like you wanted, and every prayer you ever prayed was ever answered, every person you wanted to date went out with you, whatever it is, every job interview you went on, you got on. I mean, I think it would be pretty normal to just think. I'm a pretty great person. I mean, I'm so talented, I'm so gifted, I'm so smart, I'm so good-looking, whatever it is that, you know. And, and that, that could take me away from my dependence on God because I think I could do it all on my own. And that we could see in Paul's life and throughout the pages of Scripture that, that things don't always go the way that they're planned, but then that, that God's grace is what's sufficient, not my own strength here. Um, so st- a stump can be a means of, of God's grace. And coming up here, I was reminded of, of some, some stumpy times in my, my own life. In fact, one of the times that was uh, very challenging for me was, was uh, as, as Calvin was sharing, that, that when I left, I was, I, was, I was sad about it. And part of the reason why was um, my my wife and I we really felt like the Lord was was calling us to to start to plant a church and we really wanted we we wanted to do it up here but for a, a whole bunch of reasons that 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 didn't happen and that's not anyone else's fault I mean this was totally God in this all because um, anyways and I remember this one time that if you've ever been in a place where like you have some some hopes and dreams and there's a place where you realize you know what it's just not going to happen. There is no way that this dream is going to happen. Um, maybe it's for a ministry or a relationship or someone's health. And I remember that moment when it hit me. And we lived up in Richmond at the time, and we were renting this house. And there was this one bedroom where there was a window, and in the morning the the sun would come in through the the 
the uh, bedroom window and like kind of shine on the bed. And that moment when I had that realization, I just like broke down weeping. And I just kept on weeping. And I don't know how long it was, I don't, but if you've ever just wept so hard and so long that you were exhausted and you fell asleep, I mean, that's what happened to me. And I just, because, because I felt like, Lord, you know, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I've been faithful, and yet this isn't happening. And it was just like that, those, it was just, you know, basically a stump. And I remember waking up, and the, the uh, sun was shining through the window. And I guess the sun had kind of moved across the bedroom and was shining on me. And I felt like that was the Lord. I felt like the, the Lord was saying, I'm, you know, I am there. I'm with you. That my, my grace is sufficient for you. That my strength is, is made perfect in weakness. And at that moment, I mean, it didn't change any circumstance in my life at all. But it only gave me the, the sense of peace that, that God was, was with me. And, and, and he was enough. And who knows what was going to happen. And as it happened that, you know, we moved down and that through that experience we were able to start our own church and God's been very faithful and and good in that. But it came through a very difficult situation. It came more through a stump than any any type of throne that I would have I would have liked. And I thank God for that. That was God showing his grace to us and I believe that if you are seeking the Lord and if you're humble and following him, that, I mean, he's still on the throne and he will, he's present in the stump. And I can't say that it's going to work out the way that you'd like. And I can't say that all the prayers will be answered, but I can say that God is still on the throne and he's present in the stump as well. So that's my encouragement for you. And one last thing is, and as I was thinking about this in particular, that that this could be true in the life of a church as well. That there are times that it seems like, oh, everything's going up and to the right, and God's here. And then there's other times that it just seems just so much harder. And we can see God when it's going the way that we want. But in the life of our church, and that's one of the wonderful things I appreciate about being being here. And I know that you guys are celebrating your 100th anniversary and that God has been present that whole time. And I'm sure sometimes it was a lot easier to see it than other times, but he hasn't changed and he's still there. And I believe that he still has a wonderful plan and that he will be with you guys for the the next 100 years as well. So I look forward to seeing uh, at least a few of those years. Um, let 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 me pray for us. And let me give you a moment to, to silently think to, and perhaps um, just reflect and see if there are something, something that's like a stump in your life, if the Lord brings anything to mind. Heavenly Father, um, perhaps you have brought some things into our minds, some things that we really wish that we could change, some things that we feel like it's very hard to see where you are present or active in this area in our lives. And Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you be working in our lives? Would you give us peace and perspective? Would you give us the assurance that you are still seated on the throne and you're not anxious, you are in control. And Lord, uh, 
at the proper time, would you be bringing about um, that, that fruit and that growth and that life? Perhaps not as we are imagining it, but really as, as you desire. Lord, um, it is so wonderful to look back over the, the, the years and to see, to get that picture and see that you have been faithful, you have been good, and you have not changed at all. And we take comfort and joy and peace in that. And may all the glory go to you through your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.